0: Go ahead and stand with me tonight, everybody okay? Tis the season, amen, to be, yeah, could, yeah. Whatever, <laughs> however you want to feel it. Thank you for being with us online tonight, we're glad that you've tuned in on this uh, blistery, it's not really cold, but it's getting cold. Uh, so let's uh, open up in prayer, how many have a need tonight, you'll just signify by lifting your hand, if you're online tonight, if you'll comment, we want to pray with you uh, as well. Uh, Let's do pray for the next uh, couple of weeks as people uh, prepare to travel and and receive visitors and guests and family and what have you. Uh, Let's just pray for safety and uh, peace and harmony. You know, the good news was peace and goodwill. So let's pray peace and goodwill, uh, start with our relatives and then moving out beyond that during this time of year. But let's also pray for revival. Um, You know, as we close out this year, lord Terry's um, yeah, you know I, next year our our theme is each one bring one. It's kind of an old one, but uh you know I think sometimes it's we get so caught up just with the daily routines of life that we forget that we have a we have a mission and a mandate and uh, and I really want us to focus on the mandate of uh you know right now, I think the last statistic I heard uh is that only uh, I think it's less than fifty percent actually it may only be in the twenty percentile. Uh, of people in our own community that are in church on Sundays. And uh, I thought, man, what a what a harvest field. So anyway, let's open up in prayer. Father, we love you tonight, and uh, Lord, we just, again, thank you for the sights and sounds of this Christmas season. <clears throat> Lord, all around us are the reminders of uh, the fact that you came. <clears throat> the Word became flesh. and became one of us to do for us what we could not do ourselves. And so, Lord, we open up tonight with that heart of thanksgiving and Uh, Lord, just celebrating uh, that good news, uh, good tidings of great joy. Uh, Lord, it's still good tidings. It still brings great joy uh, to those who recognize you as their Lord and Savior. And I thank you for the privilege of of praying, uh, knowing that our prayers are not falling upon deaf ears. Uh, Lord, our prayers are not trying to persuade you as a reluctant God to get involved. Uh, Lord, you stand ready. Uh, And you say the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so, Father, for every hand that went up in the building tonight, every need uh, listed online tonight, Lord, I thank you that you already are aware of what those needs are. For those that need healing tonight, grant that healing. Lord, for those that need some encouragement tonight, lift them up and hold them up with your powerful right hand. Lord, for those that need financial miracles, Lord, provide supernaturally as only you can. Father, we pray for revival. We pray, uh, Lord, that... uh, During this Christmas season, Lord, we talk about the light Sunday. The light has come. Lord, let your illumination shine brightly in 2022, uh, Lord, as we celebrate this time. Lord, I pray that you would let us be agents of that light and revival in our community and throughout our land. And, Father, be with us in our time of study, all the ministries on campus tonight. Uh, Be with each and every one. Open our hearts and let us hear what the Spirit says to us. We commit it now to you in Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen, amen, You may be seated tonight. Go ahead and turn with me to Micah Chapter Six uh, while you're turning there, just a couple of announcements uh don't forget the uh the Christmas schedule we've published it, uh but we will have service next Wednesday, but not uh the Wednesday, not the Wednesday between Christmas and New year's. Uh, I had to think what that next day was <laughs> um but on uh, Christmas Eve, that Saturday night, we'll have a five o'clock service here, be a communion, and then on Sunday, Christmas Day, we'll do a ten o'clock, just one service, ten o'clock, uh, uh, Sunday morning, and uh, and then the following week we'll do uh, for New Year's, we'll do a ten forty five service, and just and then we'll go on from there from normal, uh, but anyway, let's get into our teaching tonight. I'm, I'm talking about the perfect gift. And I've used this, this story or this text before uh, because I think it kind of sums up where we are. How many of you have spent a lot of time searching for the perfect gift? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, you know, you get this idea uh, of a perfect gift, and, and uh, I think Micah kind of picks up on it. Let's read what he writes. Micah the prophet, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. May the Lord add his blessing to his word tonight. Well, let me be the bearer of good news, bad news, however, however you take it. But uh, we now have only ten more days <laughs> to Christmas morning, and I hope that you have finished your shopping. Uh, maybe you haven't even started. We got ten days to get her all to get her done. So let me ask you: Does anybody struggle trying to find the perfect gift? You know, I I, I think that's uh, every year people. I, you think about it, I mentioned this on Sunday morning, but every year people go crazy for specific gifts. You know, in my time growing up, it was, as I said Sunday morning, it was the Cabbage Patch Dolls. You know, that created a a, a huge ruckus back in the 80s. Uh, you had the Cabbage Patch Dolls. You had the, uh, what was another one, Tickle Me Elmo. Uh, you had the Tickle Me Elmos. And then you had, of course, you get into the technology side of it. You had the Nintendo. Anybody remember the, you know, back in you didn't have the video graphics that they do now, and well, we were quite content. You know, asteroids and Pac-Man, and uh, you know, uh, Missile Command, and all those things. Those were hot, hot ticket items. And uh, you know, we can all recount stories, uh, news stories, of people who got into you know fist fights over Cabbage Patch dolls and Tickle Me Elmos, and you know, today, uh, you know, you fast forward to where we are today, and because we live <laughs> in such a stressed out society. I, I kind of Googled this today just to find out what's popular, and, and I really attribute this to really being a stressed-out society, is that some of the, the top-selling gifts today are sensory toys, fidget spinners, or, fidget, or now they have uh, what do they call the poppers, fidget poppers, uh, and those seem to be the craze. Of course, there are some technology, uh, high-tech options, but, but we have a lot of toys today to help our young ones chill out because we live we live in such a stressed out world they don't know what to do with the energy so we have these toys you know they actually have a chair that looks like in my day they had one of those it was like a a ball that you sat on and you bounced well now they have chairs that you can sit down and you just bounce on them and it's it's for all that energy that you've got to you got to get rid of it somewhere and and so those are some high sellers today you know giving presents has always been a problem i mean most of us want to give something to someone that we care about that they will cherish and that they will remember past December 26. You know, I used to joke with my children that I was going to go and get empty boxes, particularly when they were small, because they seemed more interested in unwrapping the boxes and playing with the boxes than they did the toy inside the box. Um, and then I, when, as they got older, I thought, well, this is what I'll do. I'll go in their closet or their toy box, and I'll pull things out from the bottom, and I'll wrap them up. And let them unwrap them, and they'll probably never know the difference, you know. But we do want to give gifts that are meaningful to someone that we care about. You know, I, I enjoy seeing the expressions on people's faces. I'm a I'm a giver. I love to give. I love to just do random random acts of kindness. Uh, you know, some of the some 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 of the great stories that our our family has, our kids growing up, is doing some random acts of kindness. You know, in a restaurant, uh, taking the bill from some. You know the The ticket from somebody and paying their bill and doing it anonymous, and they're trying to figure out who in the world would have bought their lunch. I mean, to me, that's fun, you know. I just enjoy seeing people respond to random acts of kindness, Um, you know, and and that's the goal. We we want to see the faces, we want to see the joy, you know, we want to see them light up. You know, if you've ever if you remember your children, those special gifts that they opened when they were younger and their faces, you could just tell. I mean, they had joy, I and mean, you could see it in their eyes, uh, just the way they laughed. That's the goal. It doesn't always happen, right? You know sometimes uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes we strike out. You know, as busy as the stores are at Christmas, uh, the following days will be just as busy. You know what they'll be doing? Returning gifts, you know uh, we, we, we We do. sometimes we strike out. I mean, we want to buy gifts that people want and cherish. But sometimes we strike out, and, and we don't. And, 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 and so you can see it. I mean, they're sitting there, and they're unwrapping their gift. And, I mean, as soon as they get it open, you know what? You can tell. I mean, you see, you see there's this short pause, and it's just enough that you think, okay. Now, they might say something like this, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> they lied. They lied. <laughs> I mean, you can, see, you can see the look in their eyes, you know. and They might even put on this brave face and, you, you know, you ask them, say, do you, do you like it? And they might come back and say, do I like it? I absolutely love it. Well, they lied again because you can tell. <laughs> I mean, you, you see it. And, and, and so what happens is you, <laughs> the joy of Christmas starts dripping out because you've disappointed them. You know, that gift that you gave them that they didn't like will either be rewrapped and given to somebody else that they don't like or to be or to be taken taken back. What do we do with those kind of gifts? We take them to a white elephant Christmas party <laughs> and we pass them around to somebody else. You know, we we've all seen those ads, you know, talking about gifts. What do you get the man that has everything? Those commercials. And they usually come back with an answer something like this. Well, you give them something exotic like, uh, like cologne made from poison ivy. Or I don't know if that's true or not, but this one is. Or coffee made f- from the beans that pass through the digestive tract of a civet in Bali. That's a, real th- that's a real product. It's a coffee called kopi luwak. They go out at night. They eat the coffee beans Pass through the track, and people collect them, and they sell the coffee. What do you get a man that has everything? Go buy him some of this poop coffee. <laughs> and then let me know about it. I don't drink coffee, so thank the Lord. <laughs> you know, this. Is, you say, well, are we going to talk about gifts all night? No, but the, th- the idea is, what do you give somebody? Like, what do you, you, you want to give something right? Well, if I were going to give Jesus a gift, Again, I've used Micah before. If I was going to give a gift to Jesus for his birthday, what would I give him? You ever ever thought about that? What what would I give him that he would appreciate? I mean, think about it. Uh, Hebrews tells us that he is the creator of all things. So what do you give someone who who is the creator of all things? Not only that, but Paul said in Colossians that not only is he the one who, who created everything, it is he who holds all things together. What do you get somebody like that? I mean, that's a tough question. It's tough to think about. What, what can I give? I love the, one of my favorite, I mentioned it Sunday, one of my favorite Christmas carols or Christmas songs during this time of year is "A little drummer boy. You know, what, what shall I, I'll, I'll, I'll just play for him, you know, on my drum. And, and, you know, the good news is this, though. We don't have to wonder about the answers to that question. Because the answer is answer the answer is in our text tonight. God gave Micah a message for his generation, and he wrote that message down for people so they wouldn't forget it. Now, a little bit about Micah, Micah is a prophet who lived about seven hundred years before Jesus, okay, so about right before he was born, so about seven hundred years, Micah was a prophet. He was a country boy from a little town called morsheth which was about five. Uh, or is a few miles outside of Jerusalem, and uh, scholars tell us that he lived about the same time as Isaiah and Hosea. so they, they, they were contemporaries, perhaps they knew each other. Uh, in fact, some people think that they, him and Isaiah were good friends because a lot of when you read the book of Micah, a uh, lot of the parts of the book sound quite familiar to Isaiah. but nonetheless, he was a prophet that was there about seven hundred years. Micah was again being a country boy. He was a no-nonsense kind of guy. You know, you ever hear people talk, talk about beating around the bush? He never beat around the bush. He was a very no-nonsense type of person. He was very direct. He was blunt. He was plain-spoken. And we might call him here in Texas a straight shooter. That's, just, that's him. He, he loved the common man, and he hated corrupt politicians. That, that That's kind of his background. He, In fact, when you read the book of Micah, it, it basically is a condemnation of religious and political leaders uh, who use their position to take advantage of others. So he comes out and he rails against these people in leadership that are taking advantage of the common man. Again, he was an advocate for the common man. He was a prophet of social reform. There are three things that uh, you see happening uh, in those days, one of them was the international tension. so what 's going on in Israel is they, they, at this time they were caught between warring nations. You had Assyria, you had Egypt, and you had the Philistines. Uh, and, and, and the Syrians were the dominant force and they actually were holding it, it was kind of like a slavery. They actually were requiring them to pay uh, what they call that uh, tribute. so they, they were requiring them to pay tribute. Uh, for their safety, then you had religious corruption again uh, this is this is what 's going on in the time of Micah. Micah is railing against these priests, and their crime was they were taking bribes. These priests were taking bribes, and then get this: they were speaking what the people wanted them to say. Kind of sounds like modern times, right that 's what they 're doing they 're taking bribes, people are bribing them. To say, uh, I forget what king it is. There's a king. I think it's. It may have been Ahaz. I don't remember now. But uh, he he's he's needing some counsel, and they get all of these prophets to come in, and and uh, they're pro- they're prophesying exactly what he wants to hear. And he's like, "Is there not anybody else in the land that can abs- that can tell me the truth?" You know. I mean, here's here's Micah. He's railing against these religious leaders because they're taking bribes. To say whatever the people wanted them to say. And then you had the moral chaos. And of course, this follows when you don't have strong, godly leadership, it always denigrates into moral chaos. Every man for himself, the rich ripping off the poor, leaders taking bribes, and everyone cheating everyone else. The merchants couldn't be trusted, the leaders couldn't be trusted. I mean, you couldn't be sure about the members of your own family. That's how, how corrupt it was. And, again, if you look at those phrases, I mean, one thing is very clear about Micah. Micah lived in a day not much different than the day you and I live in. I think, again, that's why Sunday's message, again, I would encourage you, if you didn't hear it, go back, go listen to it. The light has come. Light illuminates. It shows direction. It, you know, Micah is, is prophesied in a time much like today. In fact, I think in some ways his message sounds like he was reading the Dallas Morning News because we see the same thing today. We have tension everywhere, not just international tension. We have community tension. We have uh, national uh, tension. We have global tension. We have religious apostasy. You know, the Bible talks about in the last days people would fall away, not endure sound doctrine. We see that right now when you have major denominations that are splitting over homosexuality, condemning or condoning what God's condemned. I mean, you see that right now. And then you also have the moral chaos. Again, going to the fact we can't even figure out what bathroom to go in. I saw a lady today on a short video clip that was just irate at a man. She was talking about pregnant people. He said, you mean mothers? And she said, well, mothers can be pregnant, but I'm talking about everybody. It's like, and, and she got mad because he kept saying, well, you mean women. Well, no, I'm, and, and anyway, it just, it just escalated from there. I mean, again, that's where we are. So Micah wrote to a world facing huge problems, and he was condemning. Again, his message is one of condemning their sin and their hypocrisy that was rampant amongst God's people. And he wanted them to know that judgment was coming. You can't thumb your nose at God indefinitely and get away with it. Since it's going to be judged. So he pulled no punches. He took no prisoners. But here's the thing, right in the midst of all of that, you know, it's like he, he railed on them. He told them, again, giving them the warning. But right in the middle of this powerful warning from God, we find exactly what God's after the, during Christmas. Not just Christmas, but what, he, what does he want from us? First of all, look at the wrong answer. He starts with the wrong, and then he moves into what God truly wants. Verses 6 and 7, the first thing that, he, that they ask is the quality of sacrifice. Look at verse number 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? So, so here's what they're asking. Again, Micah is condemning them because of all the sin that was rampant in their society. And so the people say, okay, so then what does God want? How can we appease him? How can we, what do we bring to him? What do we give him? Do we give him, and then do we bow down with these sacrifices? Do we give him burnt offerings, calves a year old? Again, they, they heard his warnings, and now they want to know what does God want from us. And their answer has to deal with the quality of their sacrifice. A yearling calf was one and a half year old. That was considered the prime age of. For a sacrifice. And so what they were saying was, well, then maybe if we gave God the premium of everything, then He would be cool. Would God be. Ex- and ant- well, the answer is no. So they move on from the quality of sacrifice, and then they get to the quantity. Look at verse 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and t- with 10,000 rivers of oil? So if it's not the quality, Of the sacrifice that makes God accept them, then maybe it's the quantity. And the idea behind it is to impress. So, so it's kind of like, remember when the lady gave the two mites and the offering? The Bible says that there were wealthy people that came in and they gave of their abundance. But they but they that was just a kind of a parenthetical. That was just a, a note. But all of heaven stopped with the distinctive sound of a poor widow lady dropping in two mites, no bigger than the tip of your pinky. I've got one in my office in there that I picked up last time I was in Israel. Two mites. But that sound resonated in heaven and caused Jesus to stop and say, hey, guys, come here. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? See, they, everybody else was trying to impress out of their abundance This lady just gave what she had. See, the idea that they were coming back to Micah, and they were trying to impress God by offering a thousand rams at a time and then creating this river of oil flowing through the streets, surely that's going to make God happy, right? If we do that, then surely this extravagant sacrifice will convince God that we are sincere. Did it work? No. Because that's not what he was after. Then that led to the third thing, verse 7 again. Is the ultimate sacrifice. Shall I offer? Here's what they, again, they had the audacity to ask this question. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Now, let me just say right off front, this is an immoral suggestion, immoral. Child sacrifice was forbidden by God. So, So that kind of gives you a little bit of insight into where they were As a quote unquote a believer, part of the family of God, if you will, is that they had allowed sin to compromise them to the point where they had the audacity to say, well, then if if my if my quality of sacrifice and my quantity is not well enough, then maybe, you know what? Maybe then I'll give you the ultimate. How about my own flesh and blood? When God had forbid that throughout the Old Testament. It's immoral. It was a practice, by the way, in that time. You know, the pagans were doing it around Israel. The people, again, are suggesting that if they offer their firstborn sons, that the Lord would be pleased with them and then offer forgiveness for their sin. But again, the answer is absolutely not. Again, if, if you just look at that for a minute, what are they doing? I, I, I did a message, been many years ago. I don't even know where the notes are on it. But it was, I took the story out of Exodus where, Moses was going up to the Mount Sinai to receive the law. And he's been gone a long time. You know the story. He's been gone a long time. And while he's on the mountain, he hears a ruckus, a party. And he leaves the mountain, and he comes down, and he sees Aaron had created this golden calf. And the Bible says that when they, when Aaron finished fastening that calf, that the people rose up to play. And I used that, and I said, you know, we got a lot of people today that are playing games with God. And that games have been played for, throughout history of mankind. They're playing a game. Their game is, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Whatever you want, Lord, we'll we'll make a deal. Okay, you know, have you ever tried to bargain with God? God will give you the very best. We'll give you the ultimate. We'll give you more. Wh- whatever it is. That's what they're doing. They're playing, let's make a deal religion. God, whatever you want, we'll do it. You name the price and we'll pay it. And, and I, think they, I think they actually meant it. But they're missing the point. You see, they actually thought that God would trade forgiveness for a sacrifice. So, so basically what they were thinking is that God could be bought just like the other leaders that Micah had condemned. That's what they're doing. They're trying to bribe God like they had bribed the other political and religious leaders. And, again, I I think you fast forward to 2022, and I think we do the same thing. We say things like, well, Lord, if you just do this, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Don't we do that? Maybe I'm the only one, you know, but we do. You just name your price. Tell me what you want. You want a missionary? You know what? I'm your man. If you just do this, I'll do that. You want me me to get married? You want me to stay single? You want me to be a preacher? You want me to be a pastor? Whatever you want, Lord. I'm willing to do it. And I really, 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 really really mean it. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. Now, Now, again, there's nothing wrong in essence, with those sentiments. I, I think the Lord truly wants us to yield and say, Lord, whatever you want of me, I'm willing. There's a difference in trying to barter with God than making yourself available to God. They're trying to barter with God. They're saying, okay, we'll, what does God want from us? If we give him the best sacrifice, the, the, the yearling calf, if we uh, give him uh, the quantity, greater quantity, if he, we give him the ultimate, they're just trying to barter with him. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, here I am. Isaiah answered that in Isaiah 6. Whom shall I send and who will go? Here I am. That's honorable. That's honorable to do that. They're good and they're proper, and God is pleased when we offer ourselves to him. So, so what's, wrong with, what, what's wrong with this? Well, the, the answer is that when you look at this, it only deals with the outside. It's what they were doing. God will give you more sacrifice. We'll give you the best sacrifice. We'll give you the ultimate sacrifice. It had everything to do with an outward demonstration. God's not after that. You know what God's after? He's after the heart. See, you can be a missionary and have a hard heart. You can be married or single and have a rebellious heart. You can be very religious, and yet you can be far away from God. So it's not, it's not about coming to church and raising a hand and saying an amen and doing all of these things that, that get, endear us to the Lord or get us into that relationship. He said, draw nigh to me, and I'll draw, draw nigh unto you. It is a heart issue. That's why much of what you see happening in our halls of Congress, whether it be a state-level uh, legislature or, or national, most of that is, 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 is just like a hamster on a wheel, just spin and spin and spin it, because you cannot legislate matters of the heart don't care how many laws they pass, they'll never, they'll never solve the malady of mankind. It is sin. It's sin of the human heart. And only God can take care of that. See, God rejected them for every offer they made because they had completely missed the point. They wanted to make a deal with God, and God wanted their hearts. That was the wrong. So, so what's the right, right answer? Well, it brings us to our final verse in our, our text tonight. That's verse 8. Now, this verse, I have to tell you, has been called the heart of Old Testament religion and the greatest verse in the Old Testament because it sums up. People say, well, I just want to know what God wants from me. Well, he tells us right here. If you're, if you're good at memorizing, you know, we know John 3.16, Romans 3.23, John 3.17. I mean, you go through. This is one we ought to commit to memory right here. It sums up what God Wants from us, You know, this is the kind of verse that we commit to memory. We write it out on a card. We put it on our mirror so we can see it every day because it tells us that what exactly God is looking for in our lives. You know, we don't, we don't have to try to find that perfect gift. We don't have to run to every box store in, in the Met, DFW Metroplex. We don't have to go shopping online to every on, online retailer trying to find that perfect gift. God tells us what he wants from us in plain language. He has showed you, O man, not old man, <laughs> O man. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So let's look at that, justice. What does God require of me to act justly? What does that mean? Well, the Hebrew word is mishpat, and, and and again, it in the Old Testament, it is often applied to the character of God, okay? Uh, he, God is just. God is just. He's absolutely fair and righteous in all of his dealings. And in fact, that's why he alone is qualified to judge because he is justice. He's able, able to he, he gives each person exactly uh, what they deserve. <coughs> Pardon me. Justice means treating people right because you know God. That's what justice is treating people right because we know God. And in the Bible, this concept is applied uh, really in very concrete uh, forms, namely caring for the poor, right, uh, remembering the widows and the orphans. What does the Bible say? Pure religion, undefiled religion is what? Care for the widows and the orphans. Um, Some of the other things in the Old Testament, we just got through with Ruth not long ago. Um, Again, justice, part of justice, treating people right because we know God. Part of justice, that justice in the Old Testament, not plowing the corners of your field. So you can have a Ruth out there threshing or or, or gleaning in the field. That's part of the justice of God. so that the hungry can have food to eat, speaking the truth, paying a fair wage, Having honest scales. Old Testament things there that applies today. No cheating, no extortion, refusing to take advantage of the less fortunate. I mean, again, that's justice. What does God require me? To act justly, to treat people fair. If I'm an employer, treat people, my employees, fair. Pay them a fair wage, take care of them. Pardon me. See, for us at Christmas time, Justice means doing right, especially to the less fortunate because we know God. And remember, Jesus said in Matthew 25, when you've done it to the least, you've done it to me. Then he said, not only do you, what does the Lord require me to act justly, and then what's the next one? Mercy, right? To love mercy. Mercy. This, again, goes to the heart of how we treat other people. The Hebrew word means loyal love. It means loyal love or patient love, okay? That's mercy. It's a word that we would translate. We've heard the, phrase, the, the scripture, his mercy endures forever. That's mercy. That, that, that kind of contains it right there. It means loving the unloving, the unlovely, even when they don't love us back. It's not giving them what they deserve, and that's hard. Again, it speaks to our obligation to care for the poor who don't care for us. Doing unto others as God would have us, uh, as, as God has done. Let me rephrase that. Doing unto others as God has done to us. So here's, a neat, interesting, here's an interesting thing to do, kind of a neat thing. In the next couple of weeks, 2022, if you can even fathom it, will be history. It'll be a chapter that has come to an end. The page will be turned and we'll start a new chapter of our lives if the Lord tarries 2023. So here's an interesting assignment. Think back for the past 12 months. How has God treated you this year? Has God blessed you? Then bless others. Has God forgiven you? Then forgive others. Has God lifted you up when you were down? Then lift others up when they are down. Has God overlooked your faults? Then overlook their faults. See, that's the idea of mercy here. God expects us to, uh, number one, act justly to love mercy, to love, uh, again, uh, doing to others as, we, as God has done to us. That, that's showing mercy. The word translated mercy, mercy elsewhere is translated lovely or beautiful. It is a quality that makes us beautiful to other people. I don't know about you, but my favorite people to hang out with are not people that are grumps and sourpusses. I like to hang out with people that are kind and compassionate and that show mercy. There's something about them that you want to be around them. You know, again, not with hands out. You just want to be around them because they're they're, they're pleasing. They're beautiful. They're beautiful people. Show mercy and people will think you're beautiful. Again, I'm not talking about... You know, in that scale ten, I'm not talking about you're going to be a knockout. I'm just talking about people are going to see uh, beauty is only skin deep, right? True beauty is from the inside. People will see mercy, and they'll call, they'll think you're a beautiful person. That's what he says. I read I read a letter uh, that a man had written to his pastor, and here's what he wrote. He said we were driving in two cars, coming from my 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 wife and I were driving two cars coming from her sister's house. We exited the freeway, and I was behind my wife. As usual, we pull up to the stoplight, and there's a, a man that has a sign that says, Homeless, need money, please help. I looked past him, as usual, thinking about what I was going to do the rest of the day. He said, You see, I, I don't give money to the homeless. I give it through my church because it might attract more homeless to the community, and we, that's something we don't want to have. He said, Suddenly, I noticed my wife had opened her window "'and gave the man some money. "'He accepted it, and he walked toward my car. "'I ignored him. "'He walked within two feet of me. "'There was a brief, uncomfortable feeling, "'and it quickly passed. "'He said, "'Later that day, I began to ponder "'how my wife is different from me, "'not about giving financially, but emotionally. "'She gives Christian love generously. "'Her Christian walk is filled with with Christian "'and non-Christian friends.' she's open with her faith and her love. I have mostly Christian friends. I love those who are already Christian, but I keep my Christianity to myself around those who aren't Christian. He said, then something clicked. The homeless man didn't care how much money my wife had, only that she gave him some of it. Likewise, the world doesn't care how much love I have, only that I share it with them. How many people do I know that hold a spiritual sign that says, Godless, need his love and forgiveness, please help me. Most every time I, pre- I pretend that I don't see the need or the sign, I don't have the time or the money or the solution or some other excuse, I can't attract non-Christians to me when I refuse to share God's love with my hurting co-worker, my Muslim acquaintance, my widowed neighbor. So Lord, on this holiday season, help me openly share my love and my faith with those people around me. I thought that was good. See that that's kind of what he's talking about. Mercy. Treating others as God has treated us. Has God been good? Then be good. Has God been kind? Then be kind. Has God provided Again, the Bible says if it's if it's within our means to do something, then do something. Show people kindness. Show them the love of Christ. I still believe the key that unlocks all the prison doors of people's hearts is the love of Christ that's been shed abroad through us. I still believe that. I still believe that you, you, everybody wants to talk about what a post-Christian nation America is, if, if, if we were Christian before, and they, and they want to talk about how far gone we are. I truly believe that we have a, we have a lot of people, I, I don't want to say the majority, but I, I tend to believe we have a lot of people that have never had an adequate presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most people today, I think, get their imagery of Christianity from little snippets that are played on TV or YouTube or Snapchat or TikTok or some of these things. You get the media that pick up on some of these famous preachers, and sometimes they get kind of goofy, and they pick up on that goofiness, and they they run it in the ground with clips. That's where people are getting their information about Christianity. Christianity. What they need is just the regular folk like us to show mercy and to act justly. That can change the world. The last one is humility. What do you say? Love mercy and to do what? Walk humbly with our God. The word, hum- the word humbly comes from the Hebrew word that means Modesty or carefully, modestly, or carefully. It speaks of an attitude that's the opposite of pride. And again, we have to be very careful because there's a lot of, it would be easy for people, believers, to get this air of superiority about them. We're not better than anybody. But for the grace of God, we go, right? Humility, what is humility? Humility simply defined as this, having the right view of yourselves, or having the right view of yourself because you have the right view of God. That's humility. When you recognize the, the supremacy of Christ and the supremacy of the Godhead and how inferior we are no matter what. Humility doesn't mean saying that I'm a worm or I'm nothing. That, that's that's uh, self-pity, which is a form of pride, by the way. What is pride? Pride is having too large of a view of yourself because you have too small of a view of God. That's really where pride comes from. You have deified man and you have dethroned God. You flip the roles. That's what pride does. See, here's what humility says. Humility says, God God made me and I belong to him. Every good thing I have in life, it comes from him. Some have more. Some have less. doesn't really matter because I thank God for what I have and who I am and I'm going to do the best that I can with what God has given to me, and then I'm going to leave the rest of it up to Him. That's what humility is right there. Listen, if we live that way, it'll save us a whole bunch of trouble. We, we don't have to worry about this power game at work or the rat race or sell our soul or our convictions just to get ahead. We don't get angry at the silly comments that people make because it doesn't matter anymore. When you learn how to live to the audience, for the audience of one, the opinions of other people don't matter anymore. Because ultimately, I'm not standing before any individual earthly man, any created being. I'm standing before the Ancient of Days, who before the foundation of the world was slain on my behalf. And his opinion is the only one that matters. So what does God want from me this year? Justice, mercy, and humility. That's what I can offer him. Rightly understood, these three words sum up our Christian duty. And if we have these things in our lives, and again, you say, man, that's a tall order. Yes, it is. That's why the world wants to paint this picture that if you serve Jesus, that, you know, that only, that religion is only for, uh, for, for women and, and, you know, and weak men or what have you. Nah, it takes a real man It takes a real man, a real woman to serve him because you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him and not everybody can do that. It takes a a person with a strong constitution to be able to suppress and say no to that flesh that screams all the time and say yes to him. See, if we have these things in our lives, God will be pleased and we'll make a difference wherever we go. The religion that God approves is the religion of the heart. All this outward stuff, you know, we're, uh, the Assemblies of God, we're not uh, a liturgical. There's a lot of beauty in, in liturgy. There's a lot of beauty in that. But we're not a liturgical church. And I don't. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, you can have all the liturgy you want and it can still be void of the heart. Or you can get rid of the liturgy and still be void. He's after the heart. See, you can fake a lot of religious activity, but the heart never lies. (laughs) It doesn't lie. This is why Jesus came. Matthew 12, 18 says he will proclaim justice to the nations. When Mary sang her song uh, at the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 1, his mercy extends to those who fear him. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. That's what she sang. That's the heart of the gospel. He came to establish justice. He came to show mercy and he came to lift up the humble. Two thousand years Jesus later is still knocking on the hearts our hearts door. And it's up to us to open up. Let him come in and live through us. I did a I did a deal years ago. I used to teach a uh I don't remember what we called it back then. This was back in the mid '90s, and I would meet. Um, it was a lunchtime, twice a week. It was a lunchtime gathering, uh, and my target was to connect with the business people downtown. So we had this lunch. It was a it was a seminar um, that they would come in, and and I would teach on a, a particular topic. I know one time I did stress stress management from a biblical perspective. Um, and one of them I talked about, uh, and then later I taught here what's called the exchange life. And, and, and basically what it is is I give God my broken down self, and he gives me his self. So I exchange. And he now, you know, that's, that's kind of what Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I, in Galatians 2.20, uh, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's the exchange life. And he comes in and lives in and through us and empowers us to do what we could not otherwise do. And see, that's the key right there. We open the door, allow him to come in and live through us. Not just on Sundays and not just on Wednesdays, but every single day of the week. Christina Rossetti wrote some words uh, some years ago, and here's what she wrote. What shall I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I'd give him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. What shall I give him? I'll give him my heart. And that's where I want to stop tonight as we close. I'll give him my heart. See, the children of Israel, were, kind of, they, were they were confused. They were trying to barter and bargain with God. God, if I, if I give you the best sacrifice... If I give you more sacrifices, if I give you the ultimate, would you be pleasing? Would I be acceptable to you? And the answer was no, because it missed the point. God's not after religious activity, He's after the heart. Justice, mercy, and humility that's what we can offer to Him. Not just a Christmas, it's not just a Christmas message. This is every day of our lives. Walk justly. Love mercy. And to walk humbly. Would you stand with me tonight as we close? What you bow with me as we close in prayer? And if you're online tonight, if you'll comment, I want to pray with you as well. But, you know, these are tall orders. You know, that's why I said it's very difficult to, to walk this Christian walk because we have a nature that as long as we live in this fleshly body, it wars against us. It fights against us. And it's only through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that I can live as an overcomer, as Paul said that we are through Christ. And I'm just going to ask tonight just a very simple question as we close in prayer. If you are online, if you'll comment, I want to pray with you. Whether you're here tonight and say, you know what, Pastor, I want those things in my life. I want, a, I want justice, mercy, and humility in my life. I want to walk in that. I want to. I want people to see Jesus in me, to help me. Again, it's a lifelong process. But you know what? He's able to help us. That grace abounds more and more. If that's you, just you tonight, if that's you, just slip your hand right, right back down, and we're going to pray for you. If you're online tonight, if you'll comment. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Lord, we don't have to search for the perfect gift. We don't have to run to and fro and exhaust ourselves looking and searching for that perfect thing. Lord, you've told us what it is that you want. And I pray, Lord, I pray for myself. Lord, in this time of stress and busyness, Lord, check the attitude. Lord, help me to to show justice and mercy and humility. Uh, Lord, help me to treat others as you have treated me. Lord, kind and compassionate and patient. Lord, I pray that when people look at us, they see Christ in us who is the hope of glory. Lord, let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven, Lord. Help that be the mantra of our daily existence, Lord, that we're living as emissaries, as agents, as ambassadors for you on a daily basis. and that. Wherever we go, we carry you with us. You're with us constantly. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to radiate the love of Jesus where we go. And, Lord, give us those opportunities, Lord, put in our pathway people that we can speak life into. Lord, who knows that, but that we might be the answer to someone's prayer tomorrow. Lord, let us walk with an awareness that all around us are people who are lost and they're searching and they're hurting. And, Lord, you may have, for such a time as that, put us in that spot at that moment. So Lord, let us be sensitive to the Spirit. Let us walk with justice, mercy, and humility wherever we go. Now I pray you'll take us home tonight, give us a great restful night, wake us up in the morning with a spring in our step, a song in our heart. Lord, ready to receive, uh, Lord, ready to to shine Your light wherever we go. Bring us on Sunday, should you Terry, ready to receive Your Word. Lord, I love and bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. We all said, Amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you. And don't forget about the senior lunch tomorrow. God bless you.